church, and we're thrilled that you're here this morning. We're in the middle of a series called 66 Words to Live By. And uh, if it is your first time here this morning, or if you've missed a couple of weeks, we do have a website. It's connectwashington.org, connectwashington.org, or you can just Google Connect Washington. We should pop up there. And uh, on our website, there is a media tab. You can go there, and you can download the sermons and listen to them. You can uh, uh, connect to iTunes and have your podcast set up, so it'll download automatically. So if you, if you weren't here for the last couple of weeks, and our Scrabble board gives you a little bit of an idea of what you missed the last couple of weeks, you can uh, dial in there and listen. Uh, and this morning's letters are laid out, so I'm not going to tell you what we're talking on yet this morning. You've got to figure it out, but some of you smart ones have already got there, and the rest of you are going to ignore everything I say for the next 10 minutes, because you'll be trying to figure out what those letters really mean. But um, I'm going to jump in here this morning. So the idea is 66 words to live by. There are 66 words in the Lord's Prayer. And uh, maybe you're like me, maybe you grew up saying the Lord's Prayer, reciting it at maybe a school or uh, in, a, in a church or a kids club, something like that growing up. And, and these words are very familiar to you, but you've never really thought what these words mean. So each week we're going through the Lord's Prayer. and We've taken a, a line or a couple of lines every week. And this week we find ourselves at the third part of the Lord's Prayer. And that is, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. We're all very familiar with that line. It kind of finds itself right in the middle of that prayer there. And we're all pretty familiar with that phrase. In fact, to be honest, of all the phrases, this is probably one of the easiest uh, we thought that to understand. You know, give us this day our daily bread. Well, that's, that's pretty straightforward. I know what that means. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more this morning. But um, maybe some of you, you've, you've heard that, give us this day our daily bread. And you thought, well, maybe that's something to do with, you know, like a meal time. Maybe this is one of those prayers that you pray before a meal. Uh, maybe you're one of those families that prays before a meal. Maybe you've been uh, out to lunch with one of those families before, that pray before a meal and you're, you know, two or three bites in and you look up and they're sat there, you know, hands together and you're <laughs> and realize that uh, we pray at this point. So uh, maybe prayer to you is something that's uh, not a natural thing. It's not an easy thing. Maybe you're new to church, new to the idea of prayer, and it's still a little um, kind of confusing, a little scary. And actually, maybe you are here this morning at church, and you're terrified because you're thinking, what if he's talking about prayer? What if he just comes out here with a microphone and says, hey, why don't you pray? I don't know what to say. Or maybe you're terrified that you'll be at the meal table and someone will say, hey, would you say grace? And you're like, ah, uh, and that, that fear grips you that you might have to pray out loud. And we all know what it's like, because that's why we relate with this particular video clip right here. So check this out. A great video on prayer. Lord of hosts, for the 
marvelous boy who is so aptly laying at our table this day and each day by day. Day by day by day. Oh, dear Lord, these things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day by day. Amen. And maybe when it comes to prayer, that, that's kind of how we feel. We're like, well, what if I get called upon to pray? And what if I say the wrong words? And I'll, I'll try and pull from memory. Maybe, maybe some of the Our Father will fit in there. And uh, So I didn't want to go through this series talking about the specific prayer, the Lord's Prayer, um, without at least mentioning, you know, for many of us, prayer, it, it could be a new thing for you. And that's fine. That's okay. And, and we don't want to... Um, cause you any fear or embarrassment this is something that you can do by yourself and, and you can you can just talk to god god wants to have a relationship with each and every one of you a relationship that involves you speaking to him and this is the amazing part him speaking to you you know justin mentioned that earlier when he was he was talking and sometimes us us christians us christ followers we say that very matter of factly and we forget the power of those words he said you know and i felt god was speaking to me as i was watching the uh the world series there and maybe some of you were sitting here thinking well how did you know it was god what did you hear what did you but very often for us as, as christians when we read the bible um the words of the bible they 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 really speak clearly to us we we just know that god is speaking to us through what we're reading and I would challenge you to read the Bible. I would challenge you to talk to God and, and have those conversations, those prayers. And, and it's a two-way conversation. You can speak to God and he can speak to you. And you've got to start somewhere. And, and, and we get nervous, you know. And, and even if it's praying before lunch, what if I can't find the right words to say? What if I say something dumb? What if they ask me to say a really familiar prayer like the Lord's Prayer and I forget the words? I'd say, don't worry. I've been told that even pastors sometimes have been known to get muddled up. Apparently, I mean, I've heard that, that even pastors sometimes get muddled up when saying the Lord's Prayer. It's true. And if you weren't here last week, I'm not going to tell you what you missed. So, um, so just to refresh our memories this morning, as we look at the Lord's Prayer, um, this time the words will be on the screen and I've got the words printed out in front of me. So I'm going to read to you just to bring you up to speed in case you're not familiar with the prayer that we're speaking about. It says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And like I said before, Jesus is teaching here and he's saying, listen, prayer is simply you communicating with God. God the Father, God the, the Creator. He desires a relationship with you and you can have that conversation with him. The problem, I think, for many of us is that if we are familiar with that prayer, the Lord's Prayer, those 66 words have become so familiar to us 
that when we say the words of that prayer, really all we kind of hear is that wah, 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 you know, the teacher in Charlie Brown, you know, the, the words are just so familiar that as we're praying them, we're saying them by memory, because you guys are all much smarter than me. You've memorized it. You're saying it by memory without really thinking about what it is that you're saying. But as I've been working through this particular series, I've come to realize that in these 66 words, it's just about everything you need to know about what it looks like to be a Christ follower. If you're already a Christian here this morning, this prayer is what your life is supposed to look like. If you're not, this prayer tells you pretty much all you need to know about what you'd be getting yourself into if you decided to become one. And it's cool because if you know these 66 words... You already know way more than you think you know about spirituality and about knowing Jesus. Because there is so much truth and knowledge about God just wrapped up in this prayer. So like I said, you can download if you've missed a couple of weeks. But the first week we talked about everyday worship. We talked about the Our Father that art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and, and what it meant to worship God and to, to worship God every day. It's more than just sitting in church and um, for an hour or two a week. It's, it's worshiping God every day. And out of that worship comes the idea that we spoke about last week of, of everyday lordship. That we don't just tell God we love him. We give him permission to be the Lord of our lives. Last week I talked about um, that scary idea of saying, Jesus, take the wheel. If you've heard the song, you know, allowing Jesus to, to not just ride in the car with you, but actually to take the wheel and determine where that car is going to go. But this morning we're focusing in on that one simple short phrase, give us this day our daily bread. And like I said, maybe some of us thought that was kind of a mealtime prayer or it's something that we pray just in the area of food, but... I think that this part of the prayer might seem so basic that we could miss what it's really all about. Because you need to remember that Jesus, when he was teaching this particular subject on how to pray, he was speaking to thousands of people on a hillside. And those people, um, they would have come from all sorts of different backgrounds. They would be religious. Some of them would be not religious in the slightest. Some would be um, Jews. Some would be Gentiles. The Bible calls people that weren't Jews. And this particular portion of the Bible is called the Sermon on the Mount. This teaching that Jesus is sharing was known as the Sermon on the Mount. So when Jesus was speaking these words to this particular crowd, the idea of making bread or buying bread would have been a regular occurrence. And to the people he was speaking to there, the idea of, of daily bread would have actually had some historical significance. You see, many would have been familiar. Um, they would either be Jewish themselves or they'd be familiar with the Jewish um, history, the history of the Israelites. So as he spoke to these Jewish people, they would have reflected on the stories that they were told of the exodus way back in the Old Testament of the Israelites from Egypt. And how while they were in the desert, God provided bread from heaven, or manna as it was called, every day. Enough for that day to sustain them. You can actually read about that in a book in the, the Old Testament, the, the older part of the Bible called um, Exodus. And you can follow along here in Exodus chapter 16, in verses 4 and verses 31. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. So when Jesus said to them, you know, a part of this prayer is to say, give us this day our daily bread. Some of them would have gone back to that and remembered that God had provided for the Israelites bread every day. 
And I think that this prayer might be so basic at this point that we miss what it's really about. You see, I think there's some really radical stuff in this little phrase. You see, this part of the prayer, for starters, it's not just about bread or food. It's about radical, extreme dependence. Now, what do I mean by that? Because even the word dependence isn't a word that we we very often like to hear. In fact, to be honest, uh, dependence sometimes has more negative connotations than, than positive. We hear of phrases like chemical dependency, codependency, or that person is, is dependent on that person. For you here this morning, maybe the only time the word dependence seems uh, a positive thing is at tax time, because you can claim for those dependents, and uh, you get a, a little bit of a bonus for every one of them. In fact, in our culture, we strive for the opposite. We want independence. We want self-sufficiency. You know, if you're a teenager here this morning, a young person, you can't wait to be dependent from your parents. This, the, the, the founding document of this country is the Declaration of Independence. That's right. From my ancestors. I'm, I'm familiar with this particular document. We didn't learn about it in school in England, but since coming here, I've, I've heard that apparently this was a, used to be a colony of ours. So, um, independence. We have a big celebration every year for America's independence. But in this line of this prayer, Jesus is encouraging us to pray a prayer that's pushing us towards the idea of everyday dependence. And right now, Julie, under no pressure whatsoever, is going to spell out that word. Oh, well done. I thought you'd actually done it wrong, but you got it good. Well done. Give it up for Julie. Yeah, awesome. What a wonderful Scrabble player she is. So when we look at this, this, this phrase, give us this day our daily bread, we're talking about everyday dependence. It's, it's really easy to miss this because we tend to find it an easy prayer to, an easy prayer to pray in this line. Because in most of our cases, this, this has been answered already. We're praying, give us this day our daily bread. But the truth is that if we were to go to our freezers right now or our refrigerators or our pantries, we've got plenty of supplies. We could probably go days, maybe even weeks on the food that we've got right now in our homes. And even if we were short on food, we live in this wonderful country where a, a trip to McDonald's and a quick browse of the dollar menu for about $14, your whole family could eat. Now, that may be a stretch to call that bread. You know, I, I, when we think of our everyday, you know, give us this day our daily bread, maybe McDonald's isn't really what we should be praying for. But, but the truth is, we live in a place where we, we don't need to pray this quite so much. Maybe we think when, when this prayer is prayed, give us this day our daily bread, this is more a prayer for people that live maybe in another part of the world who are struggling to have food on their tables. Who to them is a prayer saying, God, I need you. I need food. So, so for them, that's why they're to pray this prayer. But I don't think it's just about food. I don't think Jesus is saying, yeah, for those people who are going to be hungry, I'm going to put this line in that says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, I think Jesus is, is challenging us on this whole idea of this word dependence. You see, in John chapter 15, Jesus said something else in verse 5. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a pretty bold phrase to say. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There was an author by the name of C.S. Lewis, and, and he kind of sums this, this up in this, in this passage in one of his books. He said, a car is made to run on gasoline, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God's designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn. 
or the food our design, our spirits were designed to feed upon. There is no other. And I love that this morning. The idea that dependence on God isn't some kind of crutch for weak people. It's nothing to avoid or to be ashamed of. It's simply how we were designed to run. God created us to be dependent upon him. So when we get to this line of this prayer where it says, give us this day our daily bread, really, at this point, the prayer, Jesus is challenged us to say, for all of us to express our dependence, to say, God, I'm, I'm leaning on you. I'm, I'm dependent upon you this morning for all the essentials in my life. Everything I have, God, I acknowledge it comes from you. I couldn't even eat today if you hadn't provided it. I depend on you fully to provide everything I need. And when we think of it like that, that idea of being completely dependent upon God, it changes that small phrase, doesn't it? Give us this day our daily bread. We're saying, God, give me everything, Lord, because I can't manage without you. I want to be dependent upon you. And again, maybe some of us wrestle with that a little bit, because like I said, there's a desire to be independent. But when you relax in that and say, God, I want to be completely dependent upon you, it can really change the way you live your life. You know, if you were here last Sunday, Justin was leading worship, and he shared a little bit of a story of something that him and his family are going through right now. And if you weren't here, I'll, I'll tell that story real quick. He works for Caterpillar. And, um, you know, Caterpillar's going through some, some tricky times right now, kind of navigating the, the, the financial turmoil that we find ourselves in. And, and Justin shared during worship that that's actually uh, affecting him a little bit in his career. He's worked there many years, and, and now he's having to pray, saying, God, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what my future here in this company looks like, and I'm, I'm trusting you, and, you know, I, I thought it was going this way, and now I'm not so sure. And, but I loved what Justin said. He said, as a family, they were praying together, and they felt like they just had to say, but God, we're trusted in you. He was reading those Psalms, and he said, I read time and time again how uh, the Psalm writers would say, I put my trust in God. I trust in God alone. And Justin realized that through this difficult time, he shared last week, that the solution is to put all of his trust in God. And let me tell you why. Because Justin's prayer is that our employer, whose headquarters are in Peoria, give me this day my daily bread. Now Justin prays, our Father, which art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Now he still goes to the same job every day and he still draws the same salary every day, but his mindset's different. He's saying, God, I know that Caterpillar is my employer, but Lord, you are my provider. It's you who I'm dependent upon. And when we get that in our heads, when we, when we, when, when we can come, come, come to terms with that, it changes the way we think. Because, you know, Justin last week, he wasn't sharing as somebody who was, who was scared. Now, yeah, there's some anxiousness and they're praying as a family, but he's not living in fear because he said, my trust is in God. I look to God to provide for me. So when Justin prays those prayers, give us this day our daily bread, he's trusting that God will give us our daily bread. And he wants to, and he will. Do you know, in this particular passage, Jesus is talking about prayer. Just a few verses later, if you go a little bit further, in Matthew chapter 6, he continues to teach about not just prayer, but about worrying about things. And listen to what he says in the context of this morning's talk on, on dependence. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? You know, everyday dependence means not having to worry about stock markets or recessions or cutbacks or layoffs. Because everyday dependence, praying that prayer, give us this day our daily bread, it means trusting that the Father in heaven, who takes care of the birds of the air, cares for you far more and is not going to let you go without. And that's a very freeing place to be. To be in that place of saying, God, I trust you. No matter what I see on the news or around the world, I'm trusting you and I'm dependent upon you to meet my needs. So when I pray that prayer, give us this day our daily bread, it's because, God, you're the one I look to for my provision in my life. Not here or here. It's you, God, that I look to to be dependent upon. Now, as I was preparing this message this week, I, this was a really big part of it, this idea of dependence, because I think for some of us, uh, that, that's going to be a bit of a step of faith to do that, to be able to trust and say, God, I trust you to provide for me. But the more I started to look into it, the more I, I kind of found another um, thing that I want to challenge you with here this morning. Because if we're going to talk about the fact that God has promised to meet our needs, there's a very important question that we have to ask ourselves here this morning. And that question is, how much do I need? When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, exactly how much bread do we need? Have you ever had one of those parenting moments when you've had to explain to your child that although he or she feels that they need that app for their iPod, that toy that they've just seen on the commercial in the intermission of SpongeBob, you know, Mom, I need that! You know, we have a phrase in our house. I have a, a very wise wife here, uh, Casey. And if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, you'll have read this week that she is very wise. She's great at solving riddles and uh, all sorts of things. You'll have to check that out if you want to know what that's about. But um, my kids will be in situations where they'll, they'll say, I need that, I need that. And Casey will say, you know, um, I, I'm reading my notes here. I should have you just say it. But um, she says, often says a need is something you can't live without. Then she lets them know that she learns that in government economics with Mrs. K. And every time the kids say that they need something, Kay's like, hey, a need is something you live with, can't live without. You know, Mrs. K taught me that in government economics. And as you can imagine, my 13-year-old son, that's fine. He's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. No, on the contrary, it's like, oh, mom, I don't want to know that. I need this, I need this. But the truth is that she learned in that lesson that there are needs and there are wants. And a need is something that we can't live without. And isn't it funny that we, we as parents share this truth with our children and we challenge our children on this, but actually, I think sometimes we as parents need to hear that lesson as well. That there are some things in our lives that maybe we don't need. You see, us as parents, we're being blasted all day long. We're living in a, a consumeristic culture and we have advertisements that tell us that you need this. Did you know that um, people who create commercials, they have two goals in mind. The first is to tell you that right now, your life is incomplete. Right now, you are unhappy. That's the first premise of every commercial you'll ever see or read or see in a magazine or see on TV. The first premise is that your life is incomplete. You are unhappy. The second premise... Let me tell you what's going to make you happy. If you drive this car, if you buy this gadget, if you, if you, this is what will make you happy. And that's what advertisers, that's their job. To try and create that void and then to try and tell you what fills that void. 
And we're bombarded with these ads every day of the week. We can't help but see it on billboards and commercials and magazines and the size of buses and wherever we are. And, and it creates a little bit of a vacuum in every one of us that I need this, I need this, I need this. You know, earlier this year I was um, very privileged. I was invited by an organization called Compassion International. And some of you may have heard of Compassion They're uh, an organization that work around the world, all over the world, to rescue children from poverty in Jesus' name. And what Compassion do is uh, they give you the opportunity to sponsor a child. And and as you sponsor that child each month, you get to provide food and clothing and education. And, And I got the chance to go to a country called Ecuador in South America. And you can see some of the pictures up there of of my trip to Ecuador. And it and it changed me. It was amazing to go down to this country that's, you know, living in poverty and meet these beautiful children, these beautiful families, and see what this amazing organization is doing in the lives of those people. And as a church, we we are going to have the opportunity to help build churches in countries like Ecuador. And that's where some of our our funds will go. As a missions-giving church, we want to be able to, to send resources to countries like this so that churches can be built and families can be supported. But something fascinating happened to me while I was on that trip. I, I got to hear, oh, here, here, here. Just prior to that trip, I got to hear the director of the, the organization, his name is Wes Stafford, share to a group of about 20 of us, church planters. And he was talking all about compassion and the work that they do all around the world, not just in Ecuador. And in that group of us, he was talking about poverty. And just how much harm it does around the world and how so many people and and how really the people that are affected the most are the children. Because they have no say in it. They're just born into poverty and they're the weakest and they're the ones that very often suffer as a result of poverty. And with all of these pastors here together in this room, he, he asked the question, he said, what do you think is the opposite of poverty? That was the question he asked. What, what would you say the answer is? Any ideas here this morning? The opposite of poverty. No one's brave enough to answer because you know it's a trick question. In our environment, when he asked us that, we started to throw out words like wealth, riches, um, you know, uh, money. We, We interpreted that as to being the opposite of poverty. But he said something there that stuck with me ever since. He says, you know, the opposite of poverty isn't wealth or riches. He explains that because of his position as the director of this worldwide organization, he has spent time with the poorest of the poor and the richest of the rich. And he's come to realize, spending time with both of those groups of people, that the opposite of poverty isn't wealth, but the opposite of poverty is enough. The opposite of poverty is enough. He said he'd met poor people living in poverty In places like Ecuador, sad and struggling because they didn't have enough food or clothing or supplies or medicine. But he said, you know what? I've also met some wealthy people who were also unhappy because they didn't have enough. They didn't feel like in their lives they had enough. They had a two-car garage. (laughs) I'll say it my way. They had a two-car garage. But their neighbor had a three-car garage. They had a vacation in Florida, but they just wish they could vacation in the Caribbean. Caribbean. You guys with your silly language. Their, um, their yacht was only 60 feet long. And it didn't even have a helicopter pad. 
I know. Some of you are relating with that this morning. You're like, Dave, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> boat, do you get it? Oh, good. <laughs> and they're at the point where they just don't have enough. And what he explained that morning just meant so much to me. It was amazing to think, man, isn't, poverty isn't about um, not you know, living in Ecuador or South America. Poverty is just not having enough. And that's, a, that's something that can affect rich and poor alike. And he said he meets people... And the solution, whether he finds the people with the most happiness, is the people who have actually said, you know what? I've got enough. I'm okay. I'm going to ask Case to pass me up a couple of jugs here, because uh, being the visual guy I am, thank you, Casey, uh, this will help explain it most. You see, I want to use a couple of cups to illustrate this point. This, this first cup, as you can see, I feel like a magician, it has a hole in the bottom. So... If this is our life, and we're asking, give us this day our daily bread, and, and God is pouring into us, and he's giving all that we need. <laughs> the problem is, I'm never going to be able to fill this cup, because it's leaking. There's never enough water to fill this cup, because it's always spilling out and spilling through. And there's never enough. And I think for some of us, that's, that's a little bit of a problem. I think whether we're followers of Christ this morning or not, we really need to have an honest conversation, some of us, with our families, maybe even this week, and say, how much is enough? Have we ever talked about that? Have we ever talked as a family about how much is enough? Because you remember what the, um, I said earlier about the Israelites in the desert? God provided enough bread for them every day. You know, some of them actually tried to store it up and hoard it, and it spoiled and it was no good the next day because God wanted them to learn, hey, every day I'm going to give you what you need. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying here that um, it's wrong to have savings accounts or retirement accounts or to, to put money away and save. What I'm saying is it's wrong if we have a mentality because the reason we're doing that is because I'm hoarding and I'm hoarding because I can never have enough and I want more and I want more and I want more. And that, that's no different than poverty. Because you know what else I discovered as I was preparing for this message? And maybe like me, you've never noticed this before, but when Jesus taught us to pray this prayer, he didn't teach us to pray it in the first person. Which, I, kind of, as I got thinking about it, I was like, well, why didn't he? That would make more sense. If he's teaching us to pray, why not make us pray, my Father, give me this day my daily bread. Lead me not into temptation. Forgive me. No, it's our Father. Give us this day. You see, I think what Jesus is doing here is he's affirming the aspect of community. He wants us to live in community. As Christ followers, we, we call this particular community the church. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are literally praying for not just our needs to be met, but the needs of all of those that we're in community with. When we pray for daily bread, we cannot pray for bread for ourselves without recognizing our responsibility in God's provision of bread for the world. Actually, if I'm a Christ follower, I'm part of the, the us, the us of the church, the us of the world. I can't just ask for my needs to be met. I must allow my life to be aligned with God's will so that through me, he can also meet the needs of others. And here's how that works. And I am, I'm super excited about sharing this this morning because if, if we get this and we understand this and, and if we apply this to our lives... It's not just going to change us as individuals here this morning. I believe it's going to change the world in which we live in. Because here's the amazing thing. 
when, we, when we've discovered what's enough, when we, when we can come to a point and say, you know what, God, I can be content at this. I'm not going to be someone who's always wanting bigger and better and, and, you know, pursuing more and more and living beyond my expenses, living beyond my means because I always want more. If I can find that place of contentment, if I can define what is enough, something really interesting happens. You see, it's like the same cup, but this time without the hole. So what happens this time is, there comes a point where God blesses and God fills us and God gives us what we need. But when it reaches the top, it overflows. And here's what I believe. I believe that God wants to sometimes give us more than enough. He wants to pour into our lives and in supplies and resources, and we end up with more than enough. And then we're left having to ask this question, so what am I going to do with this extra? Is it going to be like the hole in the cup where it's just going to keep disappearing because I, I always want more and more? Or am I going to be able to be used by God now to, to use this extra to bless others? Do you know there's a guy called Shane Claiborne and he wrote a book, Be the Answer to Your Prayers. I love that title because sometimes we can be praying um, for needs and praying for uh, needs to be met. But actually we may find that we are the answer to the prayers we're praying. Because we all know here this morning that the world has enough food to feed everyone the world has enough resources to reach everyone so why are there still people living in hunger it's because there are some people who are selfish who are greedy and who don't feel like they've got enough but we we can collectively pour our generosity to care for people into our local community and into the world you know as i was preparing this i came across a a quote from a sermon by a, a an early church saint whose name is saint basil the great that's got to be good if it's from St. Basil the Great, okay? So uh, I'm sure you've all heard of St. Basil, but whether you've heard of him or not, his, his, uh, his, his quote here is brilliant. He says, The bread that is spoiling in your house belongs to the hungry. The shoes that are mildewing under your bed belong to those who have none. The clothes stored away in your trunk belong to those who are naked. The money that depreciates in your treasury belongs to the poor. So I want to ask us this question this morning. What are we going to do with our daily bread? When we understand what it means to be fully dependent upon God for everything, we discover that our daily bread is more than just food. It's our resources. It's our time. It's our talents. It's our treasure. We realize, God, all of this in my life, everything I've got right now, I have because of you. My dependency upon you means that all of this is as a result of your blessing in my life. And I have a choice now what to do with that. I have a choice what to do with what you've given me and the overflow of what you've given me. And I want to challenge us, all of us as a church here this morning. I loved this morning coming in and seeing that table piled high with shoeboxes. Those shoeboxes are going to go to children all around the world. And those shoeboxes are going to bring some, some happiness and some light to children in, in places like we saw in those pictures. And with it will be, will be church, Christian people in those countries sharing the message of Jesus and using those shoeboxes to, to kind of open that door to be able to share to those children because they say, hey, listen, we're not going to come and just preach. You want to bring you a gift from people in America. And it cost us, what, $7 and whatever the little toys cost. But some of us, that was our way of giving over and above the enough that we have. I really believe that that kind of attitude can, can exist here in Connect Church. I'm sure it can. I know it can because we've already got wonderful people like that here in Connect Church. If, if we didn't, there'd be no boxes on that table. 
If we didn't, we wouldn't have a lady who I am thrilled is part of our church by the name of Jen Blackaby. And there she is right there on the screen with her family. That's her uh, to the right there with Ryan, her husband, and McKenna, her daughter. Right now, and I mean right now, this second, she is running through the streets of New York. Uh, intentionally, not, she's not in trouble or chasing someone. She's, she's actually part of the New York City Marathon. And she's out there, and I love Jen. She's fantastic because she, she's asked me to um, uh, share with her all the prayer needs that connect. Because she goes, when I'm, out pray, when I'm out running, Dave, I like to pray and worship. And so when she's running, she's praying. If you've written your prayer requests on these cards here, you can know that not only are there many people praying for them, but one of them is out running the streets of Washington, praying those prayers. But this morning, she's running the streets of New York City. And what Jen's done is she's... Um, She's got a great ability, obviously, to run. You know, I, it was between me and her running the marathon. I said, you do this one. Uh, I'll get the next one. But she's, uh, she's out there running that marathon because she has that ability to run. But she's also got an incredible story. For those of you who don't know, um, Jen ran another marathon earlier this year, and that was in Boston. And Jen had no sooner crossed the finish line, maybe 10 minutes, when the, the two explosions went off. And it rocked her world. And, and Case and I, we've prayed with her. And that's been a really hard time since, since then for her and her family as they've had to deal with all the emotions that would come of being a, a part of something like that. But through that, in getting ready for this marathon in New York City, she's got a little friend here. His name's Kyle. And he was born with cerebral palsy. Is that right, cerebral palsy? Yeah. So Easter Seals is an organization here locally that does a lot of work to help Kyle and, and children like him. So Jen said, you know what, I'm not just going to run the New York City Marathon. I'm going to use my gifts, my talents, my energy, my time, and I'm going to run for a cause. I'm going to run for Easter Seals. So as Jen started to share her story of what she was raising money for and share her story as well of, of what she went through earlier in the year, people just, just came along and said, hey, we want to support you, we want to support you. Well, $15,000 Jen raised alone just for Easter Seals. Her team raised over $60,000, and they're running right now in New York City. And I love that. And I love that in Jen, and I love that she's a part of Connect Church. And that's what I want to encourage all of us to do. We're not going to run marathons, but God's given every one of us something. And we can choose. We can say, is, is that for me? God, when I say give us this day our daily bread, when I ask for things in my life, whether it be food or talents or time or treasure, what am I going to do with those? Are they just for me to make my life better, to make my life more comfortable? Or God, could I pray that prayer, give us this day our daily bread, to give me what I need to live, to give my family what we need to live, but to come to that point where I can say, but to also recognize where enough, where the line enough is drawn. And God, anything over and above that, I'm going to use to bless whether it's financially, through my time, through running, whatever it may be. God, I want to give the, the extra. I want to bless others. So when I'm saying, give us this day our daily bread, I really mean that. Give us, not just me, but anyone else that I can help through what you've given me. So here's what I'm going to do. I want to close out with a couple of questions that I want you to ask yourself this week. The first question is, I want you to really contemplate this this week. Am I really living everyday dependence upon God? When you think about the resources in your life, is it Caterpillar or OSF or your 401k? Or are you saying, no, God, it's you, you that I'm trusting in. And then the second question, what am I going to do with this daily bread that he's given me? What am I going to do when I've defined how much is enough with the extra that comes in? And I'm going to close out by praying right now. But I'm going to pray that this week, 
with these words fresh in your mind that the Holy Spirit, God through his Holy Spirit is going to challenge you. And that at some point this week, a need will present itself to you. And this message will, will come back into your mind. And you'll think, you know what? I could actually help meet that need. It could be a neighbor who's in need of, of um, a new washer or a dryer. Maybe there's someone who's got a, a financial burden. Maybe it's just giving some time to help with someone. But as you hear of that need in your, in your life this week, this will come back and you'll think, you know what? God has given me so much. I want to give and uh, see the overflow of that giving to be used to bless others. Father, as we close out and uh, pray and, and think upon this this prayer lord the truth is god that when i was preparing this series that sentence in the middle give us this day our daily bread was probably the smallest what i would thought was the easiest one to understand and the easiest one to teach on but as i've looked more into it and studied it more lord i think that man there is a huge deep truth there jesus that you were trying to teach us that when we say that that line give us this day our daily bread there's more than just food it's not just praying a meal before praying a prayer before a meal He's saying, God, I'm looking to you for everything in my life. And I'm trusting that you are the one that provides, not my employer, not my parents, not whatever situation I'm in, that God, you are the one that supplies all of my needs. So when I pray that prayer, give us this day our daily bread, it's to you, Lord. I'm saying I want to be dependent. But I'm also saying, God, that whatever you pour into my life, I don't want to be like a, a vessel with a hole in that I can just never have enough. I want to be satisfied. I want to reach the opposite of poverty, which is that satisfaction of knowing that enough is enough. And then the surplus God, I want to be able to use to bless others around us. Give us this day our daily bread. God, be with us this week. Help us have a fantastic week, I pray. And uh, bring us all safely back next week in Jesus' name. Amen.